Welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Very exciting stuff. We're back. The first new episode of 2021 after about a whole month of re-airing past segments uh, for the encore editions and uh, it was it was a little break that I needed and during the break I decided to plan out future episodes and sort of revamp the show or at least rework certain things like the intro message that you just heard and the music that I use on the show. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to start off this new year of Sound Encounters, especially since during the break, we hit 1,000 overall listens for the show. And I posted about it on Instagram and on Twitter, at Sound Encounters, by the way. And I had to stop myself from really talking about it on the Encore editions because I wanted to talk about it on the first new show uh, of 2021. And when I when I saw that number, when I saw it hit 1K finally, I thought about all of you who listen, who support the show, and I am just so thankful for all of you. I couldn't have done this without you. It's a pretty big milestone for a little show like mine. I remember hitting 100 overall listens the first time and thinking that was, you know, such a, I don't know, it, it was so weird. And now that it's one at 1K, you know, the sky's the limit. I wanted to continue to make exciting guides and essential reviews, all the stuff that I've been doing so far and, you know, plan out more segments to sort of branch out our musical tastes. And so that's why I was so excited to start this new episode, not just because we're going to be listening and exploring new artists, new genres, and different albums, but because I was so eager to get back to you and deliver quality content to all of you. And so before we begin, I would like to get a couple of shout outs to those who I know have been supporting and listening for a while. First, I want to give a shout out to AE01HD on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for liking the posts and engaging in the comment section. Next, I want to give a shout out to John underscore P456 and Julesy N underscore N for your continued support. And finally, a shout out to Emily, who I know has been waiting for this episode. Thank you all for your support. I'm back to make more Sound Encounters. We're going to explore a lot more genres and artists and albums this year, and I'm thrilled to be your guide. And speaking of albums, I got a great show for you today as it is our third Essentials episode, and I'll be talking about a very famous hip-hop album. But first, we got to go over this past week in music. Alright, so we had a very interesting past week in music, 
And if I'm completely honest, during the break, I haven't really been listening to a lot of new music. I, I, I used this opportunity to listen to older albums that I just neglected to listen to or have been on my list. I think I've talked about my list before. Um, so it, it was exciting for me to listen to uh, new music again and seeing what albums and singles artists are releasing in early 2021. So first, got to talk about the singles. Stereo Lab released a new track. And uh, I wouldn't get too excited because they are releasing a compilation album. I think it's called Switched On Volume 4. So they decided to tease that project with this rarity track. And I am so glad that we have this quote-unquote new Stereo Lab track because it's so sugary sweet and it has these nonsensical yet entertaining vocals that contribute to this very juvenile feeling, this very classic Stereo Lab sound. We also have these groovy and amusing synths and there's even an instrumental switch that keeps things from getting stale. It's a very fun track. You can't really go wrong with Stereo Lab. Check this one out when you get the chance. And then we get to two brand new tracks from the legendary indie pop outfit, Sweet Trip. And let me thank the music gods for blessing us with a new Sweet Trip in 2021. We also, we also got to pray to Robbie and Val for loving us Sweet Trip fans and returning to us in this dire time. Amen. God. I have to tell you guys, when the dreamy acoustic guitar chords kicked in on Walker's Beware, I almost started bawling. That was when I immediately thought to myself, they're they're back. Sweet Trip is back. Then, Robbie and Val's ethereal vocals just wrap you up in a warm blanket and carry you through the sky like a, a stork carrying a baby. The song crescendos with heavenly since and at this point i knew everything was going to be all right stab slow is the second single and it's more in line with their house stuff that you can find on allura and maybe velocity design comfort that's debatable but this song hit like early 2000s nostalgia it's pretty groovy if you like house and idm and their stuff that they did on allura then you will love this one. Now, I will admit, after the joy of Sweet Trip's return wore off, although it still hasn't really worn off, but after that initial blissful state that I was feeling when they dropped on midnight, I kept listening to the singles. And then I thought, like, you know, this isn't really amazing. They sounded more like leftovers from, you know, the Allura era and even You Will Never Know Why. But at the same time, I wasn't really expecting amazing. I wasn't expecting anything new or wacky, you know, changing their sound up again. It's been more than a decade. I'm happy that we have new Sweet Trip material. I I, I don't care that they are not as inventive as their previous stuff. They are still great tracks. And the return is just what we needed after 2020 and i'm still looking forward to their fourth lp and I'm, I'm still bumping them i'm still bumping the singles they're fantastic go listen to them if you're a sweet trip fan 
And now let's move on to the LPs I heard. I heard two new LPs, the first being Welfare Jazz by Viagra Boys. I never heard of these guys, but I did see this album getting a lot of attention on places like RateYourMusic.com, so I decided to check it out for myself. And admittedly, I was a bit disinterested with their music because it sounded like another run-of-the-mill post-punk revival art punk album. They sounded like they were doing imitations at first, of established post-punk artists with the aggressive driving guitars and vocals, but I soon found out how wrong I was. As the album progressed, I slowly uncovered more of this band's personality. Lead singer Sebastian Murphy has this unique way of approaching vocals, as it sounds kind of all over the place. I'm going to use the track Girls and Boys as an example because... On that track, he has a very intoxicated way of singing where he's like slurring his words and he comedically imitates a shrimp on the song. And while it's all over the place, we get these lyrics that refer to social anxiety. He cannot hang out with the boys or the girls because they demand so much of him and that makes him anxious. So he turns to drugs instead. He also mentions how dogs are his true friends and that becomes kind of like a reoccurring theme throughout the album. And the instrumentation is rarely boring. You know, not just on this song, but the rest of the album. But to use the song as an example, it's noisy, and it's groovy, and it's punctuated with these saxophone blares and synth chords. Saxophones and synths are another thing that keeps returning throughout the album. Toad is one of my favorites. While it has this pulsating rhythm that's enough to satisfy a rock fan like myself, the band spices it up with more dissonant saxophones and gleaming synth chords. I'm impressed with the lyrics once again, as he's talking like he is a social outcast that doesn't need anyone but his vocal delivery says otherwise, as he sounds like a pained individual, or at least, you know, he's been through some stuff. This is established in the first track, Ain't Nice, as he comes off as an asshole who takes advantage of his partner. However, in Into the Sun, he is aware of how he acts and how that affects others around him. And in the chorus, he says he'll stop his vices to earn back the love of his partner. I really enjoyed the complexity of this character throughout the songs and the themes of being a social outcast and learning to better oneself. The music is also fantastic, with the highlight for me being the mostly instrumental six-shooter, as it offers a propelling progression with sax solos and obscured vocals. Also, I couldn't believe these guys were Swedish, because Murphy sounds like he could front a post-punk band from the UK, or, or even here in America. I'm glad I gave Viagra Boys a shot, because they impressed me with great lyrics and fun and interesting songwriting. I can't say the same about this new Shame record, Drunk Tank Pink. Like Viagra Boys, Shame is a post-punk band releasing their second LP, except Shame is actually from the UK. This is also the first time I am hearing a Shame project, and it is a shame, pun intended, that I listened to this after listening to Viagra Boys, because comparatively, this album is less exciting and, and follows post-punk trends and takes less risks. Right off the bat, the opening track failed to impress me, even with its pounding, angular guitars. It just sounded too much like other bands who have done this sound much better in the past, and the vocals from frontman Charlie Steen actually sounded like a modern post-punk band, almost like Joe Talbot of Idols. 
most of the songs has this familiar feeling to them, which sucks because it tells me that this band is lacking a personality. The following track, Nigel Hitter, has some fun riffs, but the rest of the song is banal. While I think the lyrical writing is pretty good on Human for a Minute, the songwriting isn't anything to write home about. There are other examples of this, but I have to talk about the worst defender here, which is Water in the Well. Its streamlined approach to songwriting bored the hell out of me. I, I got really annoyed that it was repeating the same riff over and over again. I, I just wanted it to give me something. Doesn't help that the lyrics aren't particularly interesting either. But you know, it's not all terrible as I can tell that a lot of passion went behind the musical performances, especially the vocals. I love the fiery delivery from Steen on a track like Born in Lutton. He sings about feeling abandoned by a family or a lover, and at the same time, the music keeps building and the guitars are soaring. It's definitely the first interesting moment on the album. Then we have other interesting musical moments like on Harsh Degrees with its cacophonous synths and drums. And if you couple this with Steen's growling, it adds to a great moment near the end of the track list. By far one of my favorite tracks here is Snow Day, as it switches between this lethargic word passage to fervent vocals. Then we get these atonal riffs, which you guys know that I love, and it switches between tempos and time signatures, and it builds to this outstanding dissonant climax that reminds me of one of my favorite bands, Women. An absolutely breathtaking finale on that song. The closing track, Station Wagon, has a similar moment as piano and bass build alongside a spoken word passage. It doesn't have the same effect Snow Day has, but it's a wonderful moment to close out the record, especially as the guitars get more distorted and Steen goes from reading to shouting. Drunk Tank Pink certainly has its wonderful moments, however they are bogged down by repetitive post-punk songs. If they spend more time focusing on their songwriting, I have no doubt in my mind they can make a fantastic third album. And that does it for this past week in music. We're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about that essential album. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I said I was going to cover an Essentials album for our Essentials feature. And every 10 episodes or so, starting with episode 20, <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to do an Essentials album. I love talking about classic albums, uh, especially uh, ones that are important to a specific genre, a specific decade or, or period of music. And so far, I've done uh, two Essentials one on White Light, White Heat by The Velvet Underground, which is an important noise rock album. And then another one on Spiderland by Slint, which was such a, a, a massive achievement for math rock, post-hardcore, uh, experimental rock, and just 90s, just the, like the 90s in general. <laughs> and so for this third album, for this third essential pick, I knew I wanted to do a hip-hop album. And there was a number of choices I could have gone with. There was Wu-Tang's 36 Chambers. There was The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Tupac's All Eyes on Me. Or even Ready to Die. Or even uh, Life After Death by Biggie. And with the recent passing 
of MF Doom. I, I really was debating whether or not I should do the MF Doom project, but I already kind of had this album planned out uh, before uh, we knew of uh, his unfortunate passing. But rest assured, there will be an MF Doom-centric uh, episode or episodes coming out in the near future, just not anytime uh, soon. But anyway, getting back to the topic at hand, I decided to do this episode on Nas's Illmatic, and I chose this record for a number of reasons. It is one of the most acclaimed and influential hip-hop releases of all time. If there was a Mount Rushmore for hip-hop artists, Nas would be right up there, no doubt. Nas inspired so many rappers, uh, especially current-day rappers like Drake, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Schoolboy Q, to name a few, with this release. Many music enthusiasts will say this is one of the best hip-hop albums, if not the best hip-hop album ever created. And listening to this thing, it is hard to dispute, but we'll get into the nitty-gritty soon enough. Another reason I chose Illmatic is because it is one of the first hip-hop albums I heard. And while I didn't exactly love it at first, I know, heresy, I realized how impactful the record was with time. But now I can say I appreciate it. I love this record. It is one of the best hip-hop records I've heard, and I want to talk about it today. But before we talk about the record... We have to talk about the man behind this record, Nasty Nas himself. All Nasir Jones knew since his birth in 1973 was New York City life. And at that time, Brooklyn and Queens, which are areas that Nas grew up in, was riddled with crime, specifically drug slinging. And kids growing up in that area decided to drop out of school, deciding that the street life was a better and cooler alternative. Nas dropped out of school in the eighth grade, and picked up rapping as a teenager. Before the record was released, Nas gained a lot of attention due to his verse on the main source track, Live at the Barbecue. He comes in with a lot of confidence for a first appearance, but you know what? It worked. The people were intrigued with this nasty Nas guy. Because of it, Illmatic was an anticipated record, especially with the release of two singles, Halftime and It Ain't Hard to Tell, which we'll get to, and he used his experience growing up in the New York projects as the backbone of his verses. We are going to hear a lot of powerful imagery and personal storytelling on this record. And with that out of the way, let's get into the track list. With New York State of Mind, I fell in love with this track the first time I heard it. If there was ever a song that I think deserved to be immortalized in the hip-hop history books, it would be this song. From DJ Premier's gritty beat the entrancing piano loop to Nas's engrossing storytelling, this is one of the best rap songs ever. Right from the start, Nas throws listeners into his world, the dangerous and crime-ridden New York that he grew up in, which is surprising because he starts the first verse already swinging at other rappers, basically saying that they aren't shit. But as the song progresses, we get more of a disturbing image of these gunfights on the streets of New York, which... There have been many songs about shootouts since this song was made, but what makes this song so much more horrific is the detail that goes into this song. Nas talks about women screaming, he describes bodies hitting the floor, and he adds this tension as he drops his Mac-10, searching for it in the grass, and his gun getting jammed in the middle of this fight. And this adds some danger to the song that I didn't expect, but I loved 
from this track. It's like genius that he adds this in. Then in the second verse, he goes into the drug slinging life, selling rocks to make money, intimidating people with his Smith and Wesson. And the imagery here is so bleak, but I can't tear myself away from it. And it's funny because as I was thinking about how grim Nas's reality is, he says, life is parallel to hell, but I must maintain. And that really gives us perspective of what him and possibly what others in Queens and Brooklyn were going through at the time. And it's just so effective. Nas's storytelling, his rhymes, his flow is all that I need to suck me into this project. And DJ Premier's production is just the cherry on top of it all. And who could forget that iconic line, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. This was the line that stood out to me the most when I first heard this song. I still think about this line a lot. It's not, you know, a completely original line, but in the context of the song, in the context of the life that Nas knew, it's extremely powerful. And Nas sets an amazing tone for the rest of the album to follow. The following track, Life's a Bitch, carries the essence that was set up in New York's state of mind, but it takes an existential approach to the narrative. AZ is featured on this track, and both him and Nas have verses that reflect on their lives. And AZ keeps the theme of death going on this verse, but he manages to put a positive spin on our inevitable demises. He says, at some point, we all gotta go, so while we are here on Earth, let's have some fun. And AZ's definition of fun is making money and getting high. Because hey, life's a bitch. This is one of the most famous features on a rap song. It is one of the best rap features I've heard. Because look, AZ's flow is amazing. It's rapid fire, and his positivity was something that was needed after the dark tone of New York's state of mind. Not only that, the hook is so memorable, and I, and probably many other hip-hop fans, quote the life's a bitch and then you die, that's why we get high line a lot. Nas's verse is also stellar as he talks about getting older and wiser, and he, he maintains a similar steady flow. And don't get me wrong, it's good here. It's just not AZ's verse, which is so upbeat and fast and usually puts a smile on my face. The production here by Nas and LES is good here too, but the thing I want to commend about this song is the trumpet solo that is performed by Nas's father, Oludara, at the end of the track. It is so soulful and so reassuring after the lighthearted and life-affirming verse from both Nas and AZ. Another incredible track. The thing that stands out to me the most about The World Is Yours, just right away, is Pete Rock's jazzy boom-bap beat. Such a memorable beat, and I really love the added piano sample here. It gives me a warm, nostalgic feeling, and I also think of the golden age of hip-hop when I listen to this song. That's probably why this song hits me hard in the nostalgia, but also the bright production is a reflection of Nas's lyricism on this song. He sounds like he's on top of the world here, despite having a couple of songs under his belt before releasing the album. That optimism and confident view on life, on his career, is just so contagious. And then he ends the song by calling out the different boroughs of NYC and telling them that the world is theirs. I'd be surprised if anyone listens to this without feeling they can take on the world by themselves. We're already three songs in, and they're all bangers. Well, four songs, because we're not counting the, the intro track. Then we get to Halftime, which was the first single released for this album, a whole two years before Illmatic dropped. And after realizing it was the first single, I started to understand why the project got so much hype. The lyrics of Nas rising from humble beginnings to where he is now plays into that fame fantasy that I'm sure most of us have. 
I used to hustle. Now all I do is relax and strive. Really gives us an idea of how much hip-hop has done for him. I talked a bit about the rough lifestyle that people in Queens and Brooklyn had at the time and how they had to resort to drug dealing or they wanted to do that because they thought the street life was cool. Nas is implying that he was in the drug dealing game too, hence the hustle. But now because of hip-hop, another opportunity opened up for him and thanks to music, he is sitting pretty. I also love how he gives us a moment of vulnerability here as he talks about how when he first started out, he was too afraid to rap and he was afraid that others wouldn't understand his lyricism, his bars. But now he's the fucking man. He's got so much attention just from these couple songs alone. So many people know who he is now, given the minuscule amount of music that he had released up until this point. He was already being compared to Q-Tip. So yeah, that kind of praise for... A, 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 you know, a hip hop artist that is just starting out, that can go to your head. Because of that, we have a lot of bars that just brag a lot. But we, you know, these are good verses too. And on the technical side of things, he delivers complex rhyme schemes. Just look at the first couple of lines in verse two, and even the first three lines in verse three. I got it going on, even flip a morning song. Every afternoon, I kick half the tune, and in the darkness, I'm heartless like when the narcs hit. I'm just blown away by his talent every time I put on this track. We get another great jazzy beat provided by Large Professor, and Halftime just solidifies Nas as one of the greatest. From here, I want to skip over to One Love, because this might be the darkest song on the project. The first two verses are written in a way that it resembles Nas writing to a friend in prison. He's letting the friend know all that has happened since he was locked up. His girl gave birth to his son, although she's been hanging with a crew that hates him. Then Nas starts telling him a friend's niece got shot, and then he refers to this little Rob who started selling drugs and hanging out with a gang of young thugs. Just really horrific and depressing stuff. This is the grim and gritty material that made this project pretty infamous, and I think it's some of the best writing on the record. He pulls us back into his world, and I think the decision to frame it like he is writing to somebody serving their sentence was a smart move that was able to immerse the listener. At least it immersed me. Then Nas drops some wisdom in the third and final verse. He goes from talking about the lies that the Bible and textbooks say about black history to de-stressing from the strains of street life to giving his friends some advice about street life. It's a wandering verse, but I think it's one of my favorite verses on the entire album. I think Nas is at his best when he's able to provide these short vignettes that have some sort of lesson or guidance in them. Songs like One Love is a huge reason to why I keep coming back to this project, as well as the amazing production. Q-Tip is featured on this song, and it makes an already stellar track even better. And then from there, I wanted to go to Represent, which is another track that highlights the brutal reality of street life. Nas starts off the first verse by saying, you can get murdered at any given time. Any day could be your last in the jungle. And that line, you know, the jungle referring to the survival of the fittest lifestyle that is established in Queens and Brooklyn. Then he starts talking about how detectives and undercover cops are always waiting for an opportunity for somebody to slip up so they can chase Nas's brothers and presumably lock them up. It's sick and disgusting. Then he compares the rap game to the crack game. Everyone is always fighting for a dollar. You can't trust anybody. Everybody is always trying to flex how much money they're making or the expensive shit that they bought with it. And then Nas says life is all stressing and fake people. And to go from drug slinging to rapping, it makes sense that he has this view. He doesn't know anything else. 
and everybody else is trying to get clout from those who already have clout. I like how he talks about his respect for the hustlers in New York because he lived that lifestyle and he knows how dangerous it is. Uh, Like he said, it could get you killed. So he wants to rep the streets, not only on this song, but multiple songs throughout Elmatic. I also love the callbacks to One Time for Your Mind and One Love on this track. And also, you can't go wrong with a song that features DJ Premier on the beat. Then we get to It Ain't Hard to Tell, which is the last track on the album, but the second single released for the album. Large Professor saves the best for last with this smooth sample of Michael Jackson's Human Nature. God, it's such a wonderful foundation for Nas's verses and one of my favorite beats on the album. The last track serves as like a victory lap for Nas. He's feeling himself so much on this track, and after writing all these iconic and memorable verses throughout the record, this is such a great way to close off Illmatic. Also, nothing is better than hearing Nas flexing. He ends the song by saying that his raps are so dangerous that they should be locked in a cell. And this has to be one of my favorite lines in a hip-hop song. He's so confident and he knows he is making history with this record that he ends it all with that line. And let me tell you, it's fucking great. And yeah, that's pretty much Illmatic by Nas. I recently got this record on vinyl and listened to it over uh, or during Christmas. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to pick Illmatic because this has to be one of the most important albums, uh, hip hop albums of all time. Every track showcases talent, whether it's Nas's or the producers that he works with. And every song is essential to the Illmatic experience. You know, I, I skipped some songs and, and mainly because, sure, I don't like them as much as uh, the other tracks that I listed here. But I don't need to tell you they're great if you have listened to the album. Honestly, going over every detail of why every song is fascinating. You know, it could get derivative, <clears throat> which is why I wanted to focus on the highlights but yeah, this is an important album in hip-hop. I highly recommend you listen to it as soon as possible, if you haven't already. And if you have your own opinions on the record, please let me know. Send a voice message to soundencounters.com or anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters. What were your favorite tracks? What were your least favorite tracks? Should I talk about the all of the songs? It was a mistake for me to leave out a couple of songs, but let me know. I'd be happy to respond to them and to continue this Illmatic discussion. And that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Make sure to tune in next week for another exciting installment. I think, if I remember correctly, I'll be talking about a new genre. Well, not a like brand new genre that was created recently, but a genre that I haven't talked about on the show before and a genre that is perfect in the wintertime. Uh, maybe that'll give you a little hint of what I'll be talking about. In the meantime, you can follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You can also send me a voice message through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters or soundencounters.com or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. 
leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. Rock on, Music Explorers. I'll see you next week. Ciao.